You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, folks, here on Big Blue Views Audio Lineup. We're coming at you with a preview for Thursday night football as the New York Giants are expected to face off with the Washington football team. We're going to break down the expectations for this game and everything that you need to know for the Giants Week 2 matchup. Before we do that, hit the subscribe button as well as leaving us a five-star review if you enjoy listening to our content. So, Guys, we've got a, an interesting matchup here against the Washington football team in Week 2, already hopping into the NFC East action, a battle with one of their rivals. And the big headline that comes into this, or not big, but the notable headline that comes into this is no Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ends up suffering an injury in Week 1. There was some bizarre conspiracy that... Uh, he injured it at a water park or something like that before the game. I, I saw that on Twitter, but um, no Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> in this game. We're expecting Taylor Heineke, and that felt like what we dealt with a lot last year where there was no available consistent starter. The Giants were facing different quarterbacks each time. Guys got hurt while they played uh, you know, against the Giants, but Taylor Heineke is the expected starter, a guy who looked pretty pretty good in the spot that they needed him to play in the playoffs but what should we expect diving right into Taylor Heineke what do you guys think we should expect in this game from him I'll say a very different style of football than what we would have expected from Ryan Fitzpatrick uh first off Taylor Heineke is a much younger quarterback he's only 27 only 27 and he is also a much much better athlete I. Uh, think before you know when he was coming out of college he was timed uh old dominion coincidentally enough i believe he was a teammate of uh o'shane zimenez for a while anyway he was timed with a four five six forty uh he's really quick behind the line of scrimmage and he does have the ability to pick up yardage with his feet um you know, it's it's a little tricky scouting him because he hasn't played a whole lot of football at the nfl level so I went back, I watched the uh, about little over half a game he played last week coming in for Ryan Fitzpatrick after his injury. And then I went back and watched his start against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs last year. And you know, he looks like he's a quarterback who sees the field well. Like you can see him go through his progressions. He doesn't really get hung up on any one player in his reads. He moves off of his reads. He's willing to take a check down if he has to. I think he's an, a relatively accurate quarterback, not Drew Brees accurate, but accurate enough and probably more accurate than his numbers would suggest, especially in that playoff game because Washington was obviously outgunned. Yeah, but you know he can tack most areas of the field. He's got a 
good, strong arm, but he's not a guy who relies on his arm strength. You know, I saw him actually take some juice off the ball for short passes to make it more more catchable for his receivers underneath. And that's something you don't often see with young quarterbacks. And then, you know, he's calm in the pocket. He looked like he belonged on an NFL field. And then, you know, like I said, he's quick and athletic. He's able to extend plays. He's able to break contain, make defenders miss, uh, pick up yardage on his own if he has to. And he's also able to play sandlot football. You know, we saw last week where the Giants had a problem when Teddy Bridgewater, you know, kind of went off script. And I saw some of the same things from Taylor Heineke. Uh, there was one play where you know, Los Angeles, the Chargers, had everything covered up really well downfield. And it looked like Heineke was about to break contain and try to scamper for four or five yards. Then all of a sudden he catches sight. You know, He has the ball tucked down, secured, ready to run. He catches sight of, I believe it was Antonio Gibson running cr- across the field underneath, working himself open. And just as he gets to the line of scrimmage, he does basically a uh, middle school gym class basketball chest pass of the football to Gibson, who was able to turn it upfield. And I believe he picked up the first down. And that was one I had to watch a couple times and just go, what sport is this even? So that that isn't a whole lot to go on, really just a game and a half. But yeah, you know, I don't think the Giants should be overlooking Heineke. And I don't think the Giants fans should be looking at him and go, oh, he's just a, a, a backup quarterback. We got this. Yeah, he's uh, better than the majority of backup quarterbacks in the league. A lot of people saw that in that Tampa Bay wild card loss where, you know, he was he was doing a lot, man. He threw for, what, over 300 yards in that game, had over 60 yards on the ground. I think he had an interception, had the one touchdown pass, and he kind of gained national notoriety there. I don't think the Giants are going to go into this game with anything – with expectations that that this guy is a backup and that they can just steamroll him, especially after they played how they played on Sunday, which was not a great look from that defense. I think the defense is going to come out hungry. And I think Heineke is definitely somebody who can extend plays like you alluded to, similar to what Teddy Bridgewater did. This is an undersized, you know, overachieving type of quarterback who was undrafted in 2015 out of Old Dominion. You know, shout out to O'Shane Zimenez. I... um Theoretically, you would imagine the Giants are supposed to have the defensive advantage. Everything that Patrick Graham did in 2020 suggests that he can confuse a player like Taylor Heineke who doesn't have that many reps under his belt. But after week one, and again, I want to tip my cap to Teddy Bridgewater and Pat Shermer because they played excellently. But after week one, we don't have the same... I guess you could say confidence in the defense just because it was a pretty porous type of effort. Now, at the end of the day, I do believe that the Giants should uh, be able to take advantage of Heineke, but it's definitely not something that you can just assume at this point. I mean, if you assume it's going to make an ass of you and me, you know what I'm saying? Right. That That's the key thing here is that it, it's not an assumption in, an, in any circumstance that, oh, it's the backup just assume that it's going to be an easy walkover. They're going to struggle offensively. We know that Taylor Heineke has some skills to make things problems for opposing offenses. Now, he's not necessarily an elite quarterback. There's a reason why he wasn't the starter for Washington at the beginning of the season. But he's a guy that can make plays. He can extend plays. It's a circumstance where the Giants just need to be wary. They can't overlook the circumstance. And I think Giants fans should not also be overlooking the circumstance. 
because in, in games like this, that's how you end up performing poorly because you assume that you're just going to knock around a guy who's a backup quarterback. It does help that Taylor Heineke has one of the better and probably one of the more underrated receivers in the NFL, Terry McLaurin, that he can throw the ball to. No Curtis Samuel, who's currently dealing with an injury. But Terry McLaurin, as we've seen, can make some pretty big plays. I would anticipate that the Giants will probably do what they can to bottle him up. The Chargers tried to do that last week, and he made a one very ridiculous catch. But we know McLaurin has shown some really good burst the times that the Giants have faced Washington. So McLaurin is somebody that does deserve, I, I think, some decent attention if they want to prevent them from having a, 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 an above-average offensive day. Yeah, I would say Terry McLaurin is the one guy on the Washington offense you always have to pay attention to. Uh, Logan Thomas, he has turned into a pretty darn good tight end as well. And considering the Giants just perennial struggles covering tight ends, they can't afford to ignore him as well. You know, Washington did lose Curtis Samuel just before the season started, which was a surprise to me because I had him on my fantasy squad. So that kind of sucked, but it is kind of a break for the Giants because Samuel is a guy who works very well in this Washington offense where they'll take shots down the field. They're willing to do that, especially off a of play action. But what they really want to do on a, for the most part, down in, down out basis is get the ball underneath, get the ball to their playmakers, guys like Terry McLaurin or JD McKissick out of the backfield and put them in position to make yards after the catch, whether it be on uh, wide receiver screens, uh, running back screens, bubble screens, or, you know, a, a lot of quick timing routes with yeah, passing concepts to either create traffic for the defense or, or work guys loose and use that to really get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly and safely. Yeah, that is what they want to do is really use the passing game as more of an extension of their running game. And, you know, running the ball, Antonio Gibson is a solid running back. He's not big, but he's quick. He's got really good vision, really good contact balance. And he's tough to get on the ground. Like you have to make a concerted effort to tackle him. Otherwise, he is going to squeak through and pick up two or three yards that he really shouldn't. And you know, J- say JD McKissick he- again, another quick, undersized but quick running back, really dangerous receiver out of the backfield. And Gibson is their bell cow. I mean, this guy had over twenty carries in this game, and he did fumble the football twice, which was devastating and led to the or the Chargers winning this game essentially because Washington ended up forcing a turnover late in the game. And then on the very first play, Gibson put the ball on the ground and that allowed the Chargers to maintain their 20 to 16 lead. I'm I'm a little uh, scared of Antonio Gibson from the sense that he, he's about like 220 pounds plus, like he's a thick kid and he's difficult to bring down. And he's a dual threat that you can definitely, uh, that can definitely be used out of the backfield, even though J.D. McKissick is their primary receiving back. But last week, Gibson had five targets and McKissick had one. So they're going to use Gibson in that 
in that role as well. And as for Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin can be effective from the short, the intermediate, and the deep portions of the field. That that ball that he caught from Taylor Heineke where he was tracking and his head was parallel to the ground was just incredible. And I am a little bit concerned about the matchup of these safeties against Logan Thomas. Converted quarterback has turned himself into one of the better tight ends in the National Football League. Incredibly big body type of guy. And I think he can be really, really annoying in quick game, which is something the Giants struggled when they lined up in man coverage last week. So if the Giants continue to want to uh, attempt to play man coverage, then I think there could be mismatches exploited with these running backs against the Giants linebackers and with Logan Thomas against the safeties. I think Bradbury could match up against McLaurin, but McLaurin can definitely best Bradbury in man coverage because we saw last week Bradbury was not the best. And I believe Bradbury has always been more of a zone corner than a man corner, although he can play man coverage. But Terry McLaurin is a very, very good receiver that cannot be slept on, even though it is Taylor Heineke throwing him the ball. Just one more guy I want to draw attention to is the rookie out of North Carolina that Deami Brown. He he was a guy who kind of caught my eye during the draft process. He's not big, uh, six foot, one eighty five. He's not fast. Runs a four four five. But over his last two seasons at North Carolina, he averaged twenty yards a catch. You know, I think he's good off the line of scrimmage. He's got quick feet, solid release, and he's good at working himself open down the field. He didn't do a whole lot against the Chargers. But they did look at him a fair bit. So I think he could be a guy to keep your eye on if they have to look off of Terry McLaurin. You know, the, I would take Adore Jackson in a matchup with Deami Brown. But if you start to see the ball go his way, don't be too surprised if he makes a play or two. So I, I think the the one thing that we can highlight from all the stuff that you guys laid out here, that they do have some underrated weapons. And it's kind of like... You know, any any week where we can just assume that the Giants' defensive game plan is going to be effective, but if, if they're not prepared for some of these secondary options, they could potentially gash them. If they even if they do a, a, an effective job of slowing down Terry McLaurin, any of these other guys could be open and available for big gains. Like we we've seen Antonio Gibson have some big games against the uh, against the Giants last season when he was a rookie, and if he continues to be successful, it's going to be partially dependent on if he actually holds on to the football, unlike what he did in week one. But you mentioned also, Nick, the the importance of, I think, Logan Thomas. The, the ineffectiveness of covering tight ends in week one was very apparent. And that is something that needs to be corrected on a short week. They're going to need to be prepared to go against Logan Thomas, who we know is a fantastic athlete. And for whatever reason, athletic tight ends tend to be a, a struggling issue for this Giants secondary. Last bit offensively before we transition to the defense. This offensive line, I, I think, is it's tough to really figure out how consistent that they are because uh, Chase Rouillet, their, their center, very strong so far. He, he's looked really good since taking over that spot. He was one of the guys that was tied for pass rush win rate in week one with Nick Gates and some other notable names. But then you've got former Giant Eric Flowers. You've got Charles Leno. They drafted Sam Cosme. I feel like overall this group has some quality players, but they're fairly inconsistent. This might be a good week for the defensive line to really establish the line of scrimmage and maybe bottle up the run game because they have some mismatches on that offense and defensive line. 
that's what uh, I'm hoping happens, to be honest, because Leonard, like if you watch the game against the Broncos, Dexter Lawrence was being held a, a solid amount. And I'm not complaining about them. They're not being called. Holding happens. But I saw Dexter Lawrence pushing the pocket and flushing Teddy Bridgewater out. It's just Bridgewater was good on the run, extemporizing plays. And Leonard Williams, I mean, he, I think he was tallied for six pressures. It, it didn't jump off the screen, I, I wouldn't say. But there were a couple times when he was getting into the backfield. There are weak points on this offensive line like you laid out. I think Ruye and, and Brennan Sheriff are two very, very solid interior offensive linemen. I don't think their tackles are terrible. I think Cosme is, is a big rookie who is long and isn't the most bendy, so hopefully one of your edge rushers can can challenge that. And I think Leno is somebody who has been around the league and is a, is a solid overall type of starter. But Eric Flowers is a big body who who doesn't get exposed as much inside. But I f- still feel like if you run enough twists and stunts and, and vary it up a solid amount and show him one thing and then build another kind of twist or blitz off of that same thing, I think you could take advantage, lead him to a mistake, and that will hopefully end up in a sack of Taylor Heineke. I think up front with four-man pressure packages, you could be able to get some pressure, but I still expect Graham, especially if he plays some man coverage, to bring that fifth guy, which was usually Logan Ryan or Darnay Holmes. I would like to see Jabril Peppers utilized in that role as well because he's shown an effective ability to blitz. But um, this is a matchup where I think the Giants, again, it's it's comparable. It's definitely not one that they're um, – they should theoretically lose. This is something that they can probably take advantage of if they're playing to their potential. Yeah, looking at Washington's offensive line, yeah, they've got if they if all of their guys play up to their ability, it's a solid offensive line. Yeah, you know, they're generally relatively athletic. They're you know, like you said, strong, especially up the middle with Ruye and Brandon Scherf. I'm not sure who is going to start at left guard. It could be Eric Flowers, and I have to say, guard does fit him a lot better than tackle ever did. Uh, Not having to move so much really allows him to sync up his hands and feet a lot better. He does still have that tendency to duck his head and lunge into contact, and I think that is a place where if the Giants can get him to do that, that is an an area he can be uh, exploited. But then I'm looking at that rookie, right tackle Sam Comsey, Cosme, sorry, and he still shows some of the some of the issues I had with him coming out of school, and that is really on his pass sets. He has this tendency to almost shuffle his feet back into his into his pass sets instead of making it a a smooth kick slide and. You know, granted, he was going against Joey Bosa, who's one of the best edge players in the NFL. So just about every right tackle is going to have his struggles against Joey Bosa. But there were times where I saw Cosme not able to get depth in time, get his feet tangled up. And I think that could be an area, especially with Aziz Ojolari and his burst off the line. The Giants could get some success, especially if they do run some of those blitzes, uh, twists, you know, maybe a tech stun, you know, tackle and exchange, something like something like that, and get the rookie looking in the wrong place and basically get his eyes and feet crossed up. And one thing that we've seen, especially last year with 
Patrick Graham taking over this defense. They had some pretty good success in the games that they played against Washington. That defensive front, eight. So this is, uh, you know, we've got some different faces in there. I wouldn't expect things to be very different in this game uh, for the Giants' defensive line. It's an advantageous opportunity for them to get some pressures, to play well against the run. But that's all going to be kind of dependent on if they can win this football game is how well do the Giants do offensively against this super talented defensive uh, front, this front seven that the Washington football team has. We're going to talk about that shortly after a very quick commercial break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think anybody that pays attention to the NFL is is fully aware of the crazy talented defensive front seven that this Washington football team possesses. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne. Uh, you know they also just drafted Jamin Davis. There are so many available players on this group. Also Jonathan Allen. I completely forgot about him. They have so many first-round picks, so many talented, athletic guys that it is a serious problem for opposing offensive lines that don't necessarily have their feet underneath them. Now, they struggled a little bit against the Chargers' offensive line, which was completely rebuilt during the offseason. They're receiving praise for how well they did against this group, especially Rashawn Slater. But now here we are where the Giants had an okay week last week. Some guys did better than others. There was a lot of rotating. There were a bunch of guys that were coming in and out. The Giants now have the tall task of opening up rushing lanes and also protecting Daniel Jones against this very, very good group. They were able to do it successfully last year, but this is a completely different season on a short week. That is probably going to be, I think, the priority offensively is just First of all, protecting Daniel Jones, and then if they can open up some lanes for Saquon Barkley, that is going to be really key for this game. Yeah, the, this front seven is – they're in the running for the be, the best defensive front in the league. I, I really do think it could be Washington, Pittsburgh, and Tampa. You know, I, I, I'm not sure anyone else is quite in the same league as them – as far as just the breadth and depth of the talent available to them, you know, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, they are just, oh, also Cleveland, but Chase Young and Montez Sweat, they are just monsters off of the edge. They're both big. They're both long. They're both stupidly athletic and they've got solid technique to boot. That is just a bad combination. And then inside, you know, John Allen and Deron Payne at the, 
number two on their depth chart, Matt Ioannidis and Tim Settle, that would be a solid starting duo for most teams. Jamin Davis, ridiculously athletic linebacker. You know, he only got two tackles the first week. Uh, I'll admit I was concentrating on the offense, so I didn't get to see a whole lot from him. But whenever you have a guy who can move like him, that's an issue for an offense. So Washington has just a ton of options and they can rotate guys on and off the field and not lose a whole hell of a lot. No, yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on there, Chris, but Jamin Davis, I mean, Cole Holcomb is there, I guess you could say like Sam type of linebacker, but they alternate because they have a lot of uh, interesting pieces, I guess you could say on defense. And you already kind of pointed at the defensive line and they, to me, are probably the deepest in the National Football League when you consider how talented Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne are. They don't really get as much hype as Chase Young and Montez Sweat, who are just insane in their own right. But Allen and Payne, I mean, they're so stout, so powerful. They're about you know 280 pounds for Jonathan Allen. Payne's a little bit bigger, but they're versatile. And you can line them up at five technique. You can line them up at three. You can line them up at one if you want to. Payne is somebody who was a real pain <laughs> for Nick Gates uh, last season. And I hate to like throw Gates under the bus, but if you watch those Washington games on the All-22 when it was there, thank you, NFL Game Pass, <laughs> you can see that Deron Payne was just dominating the point of attack against the Giants in both of those matchups. And Jonathan Allen, he does a similar thing. And then you have those two bookend, you know, blue goose type of edge rushers, as Dave Gettleman would put it. I mean, they could really disrupt an offensive game plan. And honestly, I don't think we're talking enough about how good Justin Herbert was on third down in that game against Jack Del Rio's defense because he was so efficient, similar to Teddy Bridgewater, and just was able to get rid of the football quick enough most of the time to mitigate the pass rush of these really, really unique athletes. And as for Jack Del Rio, he runs a lot of four down front. So you're going to see a lot of four, three type of defense uh, with Montez Sweat, Chase Young on the end, hand in the dirt. Sometimes they'll be in wide nine, but usually they're just slightly off five technique or at five technique. And it's a, it's a dangerous, potent type of rush. And as for those linebackers that you were talking about, Chris, before we get into the secondary, I mean, we're going to see Jamin Davis. If Evan Ingram was healthy, I think we would see that matchup, but Evan Ingram is not healthy. So I just think Davis is probably going to be used as an exotic blitzer who is going to play probably about 65 to 70% of the snaps. And we'll see a lot of Cole Holcomb, who is a physical undersized type of linebacker who, who is, I guess, their primary linebacker. And then Jonathan Bostic, who is their other linebacker in the 4-3 set, who played 68 snaps out of the 81 on Sunday. And I think the Giants can can get an advantage on those linebackers, specifically from an athletic standpoint, if you scheme up some certain plays for Saquon Barkley against Holcomb and Bostic, who aren't that great of athletes. Davis is an excellent athlete, but even, even someone like Jamin Davis can get out-athleted by a Saquon Barkley. So I think that's a matchup to kind of monitor. Now, speaking of the linebackers, do you think we should include Landon Collins in that <laughs> In that I feel like we talk about this every and, single every single season. Is do we consider Landon Collins to be a part of the linebackers? Is he part of the, the secondary? I, I think you maybe you could go either way. What, what were you going to go with that, Chris? Well, I'm just going to say we you know we're, we don't really know how Jack Del Rio will 
will use him because he only played one game last year before getting hurt. So he's a little bit of an unknown commodity. You know, we know that he can be a disruptive player coming downfield. You know, he, he can get sacks in the pass rush. He can generate turnovers just by the sheer violence with which he plays. But we also know he's not tremendous in coverage. Uh, You definitely don't want him playing free safety unless you absolutely have nobody else. I mean, literally your hand is just completely forced, you know, kind of like his rookie season with New York, but he can be disruptive. And I, I think he's getting forgotten about just a little bit, partly because, you know, out of sight, out of mind. So speaking on that, that secondary, uh, I think the, the last point here for the defense, Nick, you, you made a, a, a interesting note before the show that you wanted to bring this up talking about how, the Giants receivers might have a very advantageous matchup with Washington's secondary. And they've got a quality group, and they are able to lean on that defensive line and that, that the whole front seven that they have. But there are some mismatches that are worth noting that, that stand out to you. Yes, yes, certainly. Now, I, I think William Jackson the third is an underrated cornerback. It was a good signing by Washington. They paid him slightly uh, more money than the Giants paid Adoree Jackson. But he's a long, physical type of cornerback who can play man coverage if asked to. But I still think Kenny Galladay's physicality matches up with William Jackson well. And I think Kenny Galladay can win that matchup. And that's probably what we're going to see. I expect the Giants, if they want to get creative, they, Benjamin St. Juice started for the uh, Washington football team. He's a rookie cornerback out of Minnesota who was a sixth-round pick. He played 47 snaps, and he was picked on. He was targeted 10 times by Justin Herbert and Joe Lombardi. They knew where to attack and kind of avoid William Jackson. You're still going to attack him when you can, but just know that the weak link in the defense is this sixth-round day three rookie. And I think the Giants need to do the same thing. If they can get Galladay matched up against Benjamin St. Juice, that would be awesome. I'm not sure if the... Washington football team and Jack Del Rio will allow that. But either way, you have Darius Slayton. Now, Darius Slayton has been somewhat of a letdown since his, you know, explosive rookie season. But Darius Slayton can get the best of Benjamin St. Juice in this primetime matchup. And that's something that the Giants should really, really attempt to uh, take advantage of whenever Washington does run man coverage, which they will do from time to time. And I expect them to also roll coverage, roll these safeties in that direction and possibly treat William Jackson III as a lockdown if St. Juice continues to struggle. And I think Jackson III is a good cornerback, but he's not a true lockdown James Bradbury type of cornerback. So I think that can be, I think both of those matchups can be exploited depending on what the defense does. Now in the slot, Kendall Fuller, has been historically one of the better slot defenders in the National Football League. Didn't have a great year last year. So I think Sterling Shepard could probably get the best of Kendall Fuller. So I I look at all three of these matchups and also it depends obviously on what Washington does. But I think there are matchups to be exploited here because these receivers are talented. It's just going to come down to three things, really. Daniel Jones, is he going to be able to see it? I think we've had an up and down uh, week one and just career for Daniel Jones so far. Jason Garrett, is he going to call it or is he going to be uber conservative because his, in the third option, offensive line is not holding up. So those three things, and those are the three things just that kind of um, revolve around this Giants offense in general and this Giants team. Those three things can come together 
or at least be adequate enough, these receivers can win these matchups. Yeah, and I think it really does come down to the the battle of the line of scrimmage. You know, last year, we saw Washington really o- overcome their offense and all the problems Dwayne Haskins had and brought with him. And it was the defense and that defensive front that really carried them into the playoffs. And I think this game will come down to whether or not the Giants can hold up if they can open some running lanes for Saquon Barkley and Devonta Booker and if their pass protection can hold up for two and a half seconds, you know, long enough for Daniel Jones to see the field, uh, keep him from being pressured and harassed too much, and then just give him some time to find these wide receivers because you're right the the Giants do have a little bit they do have a better matchup against Washington's secondary than Washington's receivers have against the Giants secondary it's just going to come down to how disruptive that Washington front is well folks that's going to be it for us on today's preview show make sure to hop on with us right after the game as Chris and I will be going live on Big Blue View's YouTube channel We'll talk to you soon, folks. Hit the subscribe button. Head to BigBlueView.com. We'll see you on Thursday.